Yes, copy. Where am I going? Ty Farm Road. Our anonymous informant just saying someone is dead in the street. Mail has been run over. Over. He's in there. Go, go, go. Stay where you are now. Turn around. On the floor. What's your name, fella? Nick. Nick Watts. Good thing. Backward. Yeah. Nick, in the moment, mate, you're going to be placed under arrest and murder, yeah. okay? Anthony! Anyone else inside flat three? It's the armed police! Come and open the door slowly with nothing in your hands! Yeah. Just do exactly as I say, show me your hands, both hands. So tonight we're going to be talking about 24 hours in police custody and specifically the recent two-parter that was on called Murder on Camera. Fucking hell. Now I told you about this, didn't I? Because it did, it did. It did get a lot of attention at the time. It was on about three weeks ago and uh, it was a pretty shocking case of two guys who got murdered after a pub fight. It was nearly three, wasn't it? Because I came into it not knowing anything about it, which was brilliant. I was thinking, oh my yeah. God, they've killed three people here. It's three murders in what what the fuck has gone on here? Nick Papworth, and I think it was Paul Benison who, he comes later though into this. Anthony Benison, yeah. Anthony Benison. What a yes. fucking fat ass prick. Yeah. Murdering fat ass, <laughs> lard ass cunt. And you can put that out on the air. He'd throw away the key. Oh. I hope he gets bummed up the arse in fucking prison. The fucking cunt. He seemed a bit simple to me, though. Yeah, he was a simpleton. Yeah, well, that's yeah, like he's... a bit like he had a some sort of learning difficulty. Yeah, it's probably he's on the spectrum, I think, as well. I mean, this is the thing. Holy shit! The whole. I know thing. it was. Um, so just to set the scene, and I, and I would say to listeners, you know, go back and watch it probably before yeah, you listen what? to this if you've not seen it. It is on Channel 4's Catch Up service. So what happened is, um, this was in 2022, there was some guys out in the pub late at night and they were playing pool. Yeah. And the, there was other guys playing pool with them that they seemed to know, but probably weren't that pally with because there was a bit of beef because there was some footage from the pub. Yeah. You could say there was a bit of beef between two groups of yeah. folks. And... Um, Adam Finelli and Patrick Howard. No, actually, Patrick Howard and his mates. Mason. Uh, Mason Jordan. They had an altercation with this guy called Nick Patworth. That's right. And Mason Jordan hit him, didn't he? Mason Jordan, yeah, hits Nick Patworth. And apparently it was a, a row over a girl. And the fight sort of spills through the pub. And I think some glasses were thrown as well. So it spills out into the car park and Howard and uh, Jordan seem to leave the scene, don't they? They do indeed, yeah. But Papworth and his mate, Anthony Benison, get in their cars and chase them. And I think they lose them at first, don't they? But they find them a bit later. Yeah. Also, this guy called Nick Papworth, he he calls another mate, doesn't he? To say, oh, come down here, we're going to do these guys. And... There's some CCTV footage. I think you initially see the car speeding down the road and Howard and uh, Jordan trying to get out of the way and there's the chucking stuff at the cars, I think. And uh, and then what happens is the car stops yeah. and this guy, you don't know who he is at first, no. he comes out and he starts, he's fighting and he's stabbing. Yeah. He's clearly got a knife, hasn't he? 
Yeah, you can clearly see that it's like a stabbing motion into someone's back and it and shoulders yeah. and, and neck. Actually, the one of the first ones you see goes, it's really horrible. It's really yeah. fucking horrible stuff. And um, another guy just comes into it, this guy called Adam Fennelly, and he apparently knows Patrick Howard and Mason Jordan. He gets involved in it and he yeah. ends up getting yeah, killed. He wasn't in the pub, though. No, he wasn't. He, he, was, in his, he was in his house or his mum's house or something. He, he heard the altercations. He heard the noise going on. He just came out into the street. I mean, it's crazy. He wasn't involved. After this uh, this stabbing, one of them's lying in the road, Russell Howard. Not Russell Howard, Patrick Howard. Patrick Howard. Russell Howard. He's up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can I just point out as well, after Patrick Howard's been stabbed numerous times and laying on the road, this lumpy, lardass, murdering bastard kicks him in the face as well. He kicks him full on in the face. That's it. All yeah. there on, and then he walks away. Yeah, and then uh, you see a car just speeding Ugh. down the road, and you don't actually see it, but it runs straight over Howard, who apparently was paralysed by yeah, stabbing, wasn't he? Yes. He got stabbed in, in the neck. He couldn't move. He was lying in the middle of the road, and he just couldn't move. He was possibly yeah. on the verge of death right there and then anyway. But yeah, but it's just... But this car just oh. ploughs into him, goes it's over. It's vile. It's vile. And actually, there's one point in this programme where they actually show it properly, mm. where they show the car, just sweep him away. And then, obviously, the, you know, the incident's reported by bystanders. It's not long after that that I think the next day there's some uh, recording of somebody ringing in, basically naming Nick Patworth. Yeah, Patworth, as, yeah. As one of the guys. That's right. I don't know who the other guy is at this point. No, they don't. And the first episode is completely focused on Nick Patworth. Yeah, it's on Nick Patworth and his pal, his associate, who was driving the Mercedes-Benz. He was the guy that Patworth called to come and join in the hunt. Yeah. But apparently he doesn't get that involved, does he? No. The conclusion of his involvement is not much, really. Or they can't pin anything on him anyway. But yeah, so they get they arrest this Patworth and they take him in. And if anybody's ever seen 24 Hours in Police Custody, they know the drill. So you get the interview with the uh, the suspect recorded. It's like they've got a camera crew in the room, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which always surprises me because I'm thinking, well, why why do suspects want to be... Why did they consent to being filmed? No, it's incredible, isn't it? Now, maybe the cameras aren't as intrusive as they perhaps look. It almost looks staged, doesn't it? I mean, it, it does a bit, amazing. yeah. I mean, I know it's not. I absolutely know it's not. And it's quite remarkable, really. Usually what happens nearly 95% of the time when they're interviewing the suspect, all you get off them is no comment. Yeah, yeah. This is what Patworth does. And he's very he's very difficult to read, I thought. I thought. You so know, sometimes too. you can detect something about yeah, yeah. a suspect when they're questioning them. Yeah, you know, yeah. Whether they're scared or whether they're cocky. Whereas him, I couldn't really read him. No. Did you think that as well? Absolutely. And the, the detective, I, 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 I was rather fond of the one with the little bumpy. Oh, he was like the... Uh, 
<laughs> he had a bit of partridge about him. He had, he had something very partridge about him, and he looked about fifteen as well. I, I know, absolutely his brilliant. Top man trousers and his top man pants and everything, and the bum flush tash, hilarious. But and I like the fact that the the asides which took place after the interview, he got rid of the tash. I think he'd made a yeah. good, good move there because he just couldn't grow a moustache very well at all. And um, <laughs> But he kept implying that he was a psychopath and, uh, well, okay, he must be to some degree psychopathic or sociopathic to do what he did. I mean, mm. for fuck's sake. I don't know if I'd agree with that, Dave, and um, I'll tell you why in a bit. I know what you might be alluding to, actually. I know what yeah. you might be alluding to, but... I think psychopaths are quite good at compartmentalising things in their life, i.e. that they can feel emotion for certain things, and so, but in other situations, couldn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Sure so anyway, yeah. go on. But just on that copper, um, he was a bit full of himself, wasn't he? Yeah, like, he oh, was. I'm, I'm the sort of youngest person ever to be in the major crime unit. He was acting like his, his, uh, his interview skills he's like he thought he was Columbo you know and he was just shit oh yeah I'd be pally with them you know I tried to get them on side and uh when it didn't work you never no, got a bloody, thought, no, anything didn't. out of Patworth did no, you? No he didn't, didn't but I kind of thought that the pair of them the older fellow and, the, and him were doing the classic good cop bad cop. Well <laughs> it was interesting that the older cop said yeah. something which Triggered him, riled it, exactly, didn't it? So they were, it was obvious they were doing good cop, bad cop shit with him, and, and that was quite interesting. You know, I thought later on that the female detectives were much more canny, really, the way they, mm. the way they approached it. There was quite a lot of charm in the way they did it. But anyway, I mean, fascinating. Not loads to say really about the Patworth interview. They put this evidence to him, like they'd found his burnt out car, so. Mm. This car that was registered to him was found a few miles away, burnt out, which yeah. is obviously very suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yes. there was a few yes. eyewitnesses and there was footage from the pub where it showed the fight. Right. So he couldn't deny that. It's but amazing. even when they were saying to him, like, oh, is this you in the pub? No comment. No comment. I know. It's like so obvious <laughs> it's you, mate. I was quite shocked that he didn't try and get in front of it. The amount of evidence that was being put to him. You think at that point, if you remember Sipowitz in NYPD, would yeah. always be like, you've got to get in front of this now. You know, we've got all this. And he, and he makes them <laughs> confess, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, I yeah. know it's fiction. But you would think at that stage, I mean, maybe he, was, he wasn't going to do that. He probably was deluding himself maybe that if he just says nothing, that yeah. there'll be no charges brought. But they had, in my mind, they had plenty on him. Yeah. You know, to say that he did it. I mean, only really running over Howard when he was on the floor. He didn't do any of the stabbing. You know, they were quite clear about yeah. that. But it's such a, I mean, that alone is such a murderous act. And it's such a maliciously terrible thing to do. He knew himself. I think he was genuinely just trying to somehow get out of it. You know, I think he was deluding himself that somehow he would get away with it because... They didn't have him actually on camera. You That's know true. I mean? They didn't. And they, they couldn't probably see the reg plate on his car. Even if they could see the reg plate, they couldn't yeah. necessarily know it was him driving, him driving it. But it. sideways, they could say that he had a black Volkswagen Golf, but they couldn't necessarily from the shot of the car. But well, he certainly couldn't, I don't think, from the shot of the car hitting the body. 
see the registration plate because it was a side on angle, wasn't it? Yeah. All the circumstantial evidence totally led to him. You know, it was so obvious it was him. I mean, I suppose if if that program says anything that if you're going to do a really malicious, terrible crime, be careful because there's cameras, CCT everywhere. Lots of petty things no one's going to be interested in, but you're going to do something as catastrophic as what they did. It just... But the cops had to, you know, to try and piece together everything that happened because it had happened, you know, it happened in the pub, that's where it started. It happened, you know, it went down to the car park and then it happened half a mile away or a mile away. That's right. We had to look through loads of CCTV footage. I'm not entirely sure where it was from, whether it was from shops or people's houses, to try and piece together what happened. And it brought them back. They found some footage in the car park because they were obviously looking for the, the guy who stabbed the three guys. And they saw him in the car park getting into the car. And then they, then they found some footage of him actually in the pub near the pool table, didn't they? That's right, yeah. And he was identified as Anthony Benison, one of Nick Patwell's mates. And when they... Uh, tried to find him he wasn't registered at any address was it no no he was quite elusive wasn't he for a bit yeah oh god are you gonna get this guy here you know and um, i was really invested in the in it by then because I, they kept repeating the shots of him doing his terrible deed and he already had patworth so you kind of were glad that he's in custody but they kept showing the footage of him being so maliciously brutal and i was just thinking get the fucker get the fat ass fucker <laughs> because I kept thinking, don't please don't tell me he's going to get away. Horrible. Bastard. Yeah. So anyway, they tracked him down to this B and B, I think, and uh, they arrested him. And when they were looking through the, his room, they found a letter. Yes. That he'd started to write to his grandparents. That's right. And it yeah. was basically a confession, wasn't it? That he said, "Oh, I don't know how you'll want to even know me after I tell you what I've done." And it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it, it seemed like here's someone who, when you see the footage, you think this is somebody who surely has no remorse for, you know, it's just a cold, callous, miserable, cold-blooded killer. And it, I don't think he was that person. It is so no. strange. It's a very no. strange setup, the whole thing. The other thing is that the programme just didn't carry on mentioning. When he got into his actual flat, there was a BB gun there that looked a really lethal kind of weapon under his bed or something. And wasn't there like a load of the stack of cannabis? There was like a load of drugs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So is it alluding, was the programme alluding to the fact that they were all dealing quite a lot of drugs here? Because that wasn't even mentioned again. You know, it wasn't even in the show at all. No, but I think he was a known criminal, this Benison, because... Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. You know, he came up on the police computer and they they showed some footage of... Uh, some arrests before correct uh, and i think that, that i think they all probably had it was all in, is involved well this is what i found was a little bit frustrating is because you didn't get much background no you got none i mean to be honest with you certainly on patworth you didn't that program you know why wasn't it on fucking netflix because we, it would have been a seven part episode epi- seven mm. episodes on fucking netflix yeah you know because it's on channel four and it's on this very specific program 24 hours of, of police custody it's only two episodes, and we could have found out a lot more about them, because I'm sure if we delve, delve deep, there's an awful lot more going on there, an awful mm. lot more going on there. Yes, it was a mo- there was moments of cr- absolute madness, but there's something underlying that. 
I mean, three people nearly died there. There's a lot going on there. But, I, I, you know, I say it jokingly, but, you know, Netflix would have strung that right out. But <laughs> but in a way, it's kind of nice to watch something where you want to know more about the story. Because yeah. it's been in my mind. It's been on my mind all day today. That Yeah, and I think that's what it, it did affect people. I've seen comments on social media, you know, really saying that they've not been able to get it out of the head. The oddness of it makes it even more disturbing because mm. you're thinking, are they in some respects quite ordinary? But is it to do something to do with young men today that they're so wound up, so tight, so overwrought with testosterone and so into like the idea that they could be like a gangster? You know what I mean? Yeah. So they'll wield guns and have uh, BB guns around and they'll have horrible machetes, zombie zombie knives in their pockets and stuff. And yet they've got a flip side of them, which is quite normal. You know, yeah. I don't know. Might be wrong on that, but that's the way it kind of came across. This Patrick Howard who died, he, oh, he was a regular, he played football for this football, local football team. And he was well known and well liked. He's got a kid and all this. And it was to do with a baby shower as well, apparently. Reading, yeah. reading there in an article there that it was... That's it was, why they were out in the pub. That's why they're out all out the pub. After that. I mean, fucking hell, the whole thing is a nightmare. For there's such carnage to take place after that. I know, but to be fair, Dave, the guy who bloody started it was a mate of Howard's, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. The one that, that, the one that survived. And That's survived. The irony. Yeah. the irony of the whole thing is... Is that the guy who survives is the guy, no offence to him, but who started the fucking thing. He started it and they're all dead. It's incredible, well, isn't it? That, I suppose. He's got to live with that, hasn't he? He's got to live with I mean, he must feel, he's got to feel mortified. I mean, the thing is, quite rightly could argue, you know, he was rude to me and I, pop, I had a pop at him and it could have just been a fight. But this is the thing I said to Jackie because she just caught the end of it last night. I said, what happened to a good old fist fight? What happened yeah, to people yeah. just having a scrap yeah, and dealing yeah. with it like that? Exactly. You don't, get in, you don't use cars and, as a weapon, do you? Cars and run people down and then... And stab people in the neck. Start stabbing. Yeah. Stabbing people to death. Stabbing two I know, people. The thing is death. about that Benison, when you see him stabbing, he doesn't look like he's just stabbing to injure, does he? He's stabbing to kill. It's rage, isn't it? It's you know, when he's like, rage. you know, obviously because he stabs Howard through the throat or in the neck. And then he's stabbing, is it Jordan, the, the one who started it, eight yeah. times in the back? And the I neck. know. And it just shows you about the adrenaline in the human body is that you can see that footage quite clearly that he stabs him really quite ferociously. And then he sort of, Jordan, just sort of runs away or kind of backs off and then sort of like, He's stood there looking at him because he's probably unaware of what's happened to him. He doesn't mm-hmm. know that the carnage that's taken place to his own body and that his own body's going to start shutting down any second. It's absolutely horrendous when you think about it. And it you wasn't know? even Benison's fight, was it? It was Patrick's no. fight. Is it that's some sort of misguided loyalty? That I think it's. I think got it's to avenge my friend. I think it's deep misguided fucking bravado as well. Yeah. And I think he's realised that after the event, he's realised. That he, I, mean, I mean, his pathetic excuse to the police officer <laughs> who, who who played him like a fiddle. She was brilliant. Yeah. Because she said, oh, you know, come on, Anthony, you know, 
what's happened here? What's that all about? We need to know. You know, it's obviously, you know, you need to talk about it. She was being very sweet to him, really. Yeah. Went off with the solicitor, came back a nervous wreck and comes up with this absolute diabolical nonsense that he was he was there defending himself and that when he slipped and fell over, which he did, you know, <laughs> like a big fucking beached whale with his lardy arse, right? Uh, he, he said he picked up a knife off the floor. But yeah. actually, I'm pretty sure when he gets out of that car, you can see he's got a knife in his hand. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking bullshit. And that's why he's got 38 years as much as anything else, because he's lied for his fucking teeth and he's fucking... I mean, I can't... In a way, in a way, I couldn't last night have any empathy or sympathy for him whatsoever. I was so disgusted by him. Mm. You know, so disgusted by anybody who could do that. I mean, this whole knife crime thing is fucking terrifying. And it's, it's always over something so petty, isn't it? This is the most... Terror- and it, and it's, the, the, it's the worst part about it. I mean, look at this Finelli guy. He just sort of gets involved by accident, really, and he's dead. Yeah. It's that horrible worry, you know. You know, you, your imagination runs away with itself. And your kids get involved in something by accident. Mm. It's just so... It's so bad, this whole epidemic of knife crime and just random violence. All this business is senseless. Look at all this business in Nottingham that's happened today with that crazy bastard. And three people are dead. And I'm, I'm with them. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, they're claiming he's bloody, yes, um, he's got schizophrenia. But he planned it all out. Did he? You know, stick him in prison and let him get take a walloping off fucking Charles Bronson. That's what he needs. And Benison too. And Papworth. Stick him in with Charles Bronson and let, and let him fucking knock him about a bit. And it makes me feel like that. And I'm yeah, not yeah. that person because I don't believe in the death penalty and I don't believe in, and I believe in rehabilitation. But when you see it firsthand, that kind of ridiculous, malicious violence, it makes me so mad. I mean, yeah. in a way, vile people who've done terrible things, say like Jeffrey Dahmer, and then they get absolutely spanned in prison by a, another prisoner. Uh, or like Sutcliffe gets his eye gouged out. Maybe that's kind of retribution. But I don't know about the death penalty. But when I saw that fucking Benison doing what he did, more than Papworth really, even though Papworth was just despicable, part yeah. of me went, fucking string him up. String him up. It was just so disproportionate. I mean, this is especially from Benison's point of view, because he wasn't the one that was humiliated in the pub, was it? No, he didn't get twatted and then possibly glassed. You didn't quite see what happened just after. So he, it wasn't even his fight. And he's the one that's going around stabbing everybody. What must he be thinking now? I mean, like you say, he came back after they put all this evidence to him and the policewoman got him thinking. And he came back, didn't he, with this prepared statement, like you say, full of bullshit, you know, it was sort of self-defense or was trying to get away. You know, it was laughable. We probably thought, oh, I'll probably, I'm going to probably get off now or I'll get a lighter sentence. He ends up getting 38 years with no parole. And he was only like 25, 26, wasn't he? Yeah. And you know what? I read that. I thought, well, that's great. That's great, actually. It's awful to say that because I don't ever want to have to say that. But the fact that he tried to make out with self-defense, I mean, come on, come on, lad. And... That's all he could have done, Dave. I mean, the footage was there, wasn't it? And the confession that he'd wrote to his grandparents. One of the good things is when you watch the footage back, I mean, 
you could see it in his eyes, like, oh my God, this is just disgraceful. What the hell have I done? But this is somebody who, if you can do that by proxy for somebody else's anger, what can you do if you really get lose your rag? Yeah. You know what I mean? He needs to be there. He doesn't need to be on the streets. And there's a lot of people. I mean, where's the where's the next one going to come from? This is the problem we're, we're, we're living in today with this day and age where there's a lot of disaffected uh, disaffected people. You know, it's great in a way that we're doing this about that program today when there's been so much on the news about the knife crime situation, the mm-hmm. terrible incident in Nottingham, Idris Elba talking about the situation in, with knife crime which I think in many ways is really good that he's speaking up about it and speaking up about the issues. And the biggest thing, do you know what, Lee? And it made me think about that very programme last night when I heard it today, is that apparently knife crime and violent crime by young offenders has increased by about 75% when youth clubs and youth workers in those youth club settings has been decreased by public funding from the Tory government that we have now by 75%. And I blame it all, not on Sunak and Johnson, believe it or not, I blame it all on Osborne and Cameron, because during austerity, they cut back on so many things. Absolutely. We're paying the fucking price for it now. All of it's to do with them cutting back on, they cut back on things like Sure Start for kids, yeah. They cut back on youth clubs. So obvious. It makes total sense. I know. Youth clubs are brilliant for young people. Yeah. Brilliant. It, you can learn skills. They can get mentors who can keep them on the right tracks. Those guys there, Benison was only 25. How old would he have been when austerity took place and they got rid of the youth clubs? That's the thing, in it? Yeah. He would have been a, teen, a kid. He would have been a kid. And he's been just... He was talking about having, oh, you have, I, I had a good few Jack Daniels and Coke. You can't even drink a real fucking drink. You know, you can't even drink beer. This is the thing. It's all this macho culture. Well, listen, there was another thing when they asked uh, Pat with him if he'd had any drugs. He reeled off a load of them, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah it's cannabis, co- cocaine. Yeah, and I've been drinking JD and I've been drinking this and I've been drinking cocaine. I'm, I'm alcoholic, he said. And then he thinks, oh, yeah, my daughter. I mean, what what do you expect? Well, that that was um, quite a significant bit, wasn't it? So we're seeing this Patworth, no emotion whatsoever, and then yes, he gets he makes a phone call to his daughter, and he's apparently a single parent, and uh, he's not revealed how old she is. I would guess she's probably a teenager. I don't know. Yeah, I think she's about thirteen. So he's obviously no knowing at this point that he is. He's up against it and he's possibly facing, you know, a serious time in prison. Yeah. And he's probably absolutely full of regret and remorse, not necessarily for him, you know, for the victims at all, but for himself at that point. Oh, for sure. And he breaks down, doesn't he? Yeah. When he's talking to her. Yeah. But it's that kind of compartmentalising situation where they feel it's acceptable to deliver appalling behaviour Again, listen, I'm sure that the guys that they murdered and assaulted in a vile way are not saints in any way, shape. You always get that phrase, he was no angel, but he was a great dad. And I think that's the thing. At the end, you've got Patrick Howard and, you know, he's with his kid and all this. And it's all very, I wouldn't say it was sentimental, but it was pointing out the legacy of pain, you know. Mm. But I'm sure, 
you could see Howard in the pub and he was being, he was in the fella's face. Obviously, that Mason guy who started the whole thing by punching him in the face. But is it to do with the video game culture? What is it to do? Is it to do with society? Is it to do with mental illness? Is it to do with pride? Is it to do with testosterone? Male pride. Yeah, sure. And that's okay. Everyone got male pride. But if they had a punch up in the in the car park and someone gets levered, then you just have to pick yourself up and say, well, I got levered, you know. So let's say that they got in the car park and that Papworth beat the crap out of that Mason fella. Then it would be like, well, there you are. I hit him, but he's got the better of me. Or they get out there and it was vice versa. Papworth gets, gets leathered by him. Mm. And that would be it. You, yeah, one-on-one. One-on-one. And you kiss and make up about it afterwards or you or you change away that well i'm not hanging about with this lot anymore i don't want mm. that to happen again in my life i just mm. want to go to the pub and talk about interesting things with good people you yeah. know yeah i don't want a wake up call a wake-up call exactly that's a perfect expression lee because those guys are never going to have a wake-up call again i kept just thinking about how it would feel to be knowing that you are going to be i mean Benison got 38 years, Patworth got 34 without parole. So it's minimum terms without parole. Imagine thinking that I'm not going to get out until I'm 60 odd. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. that would blow my mind that. Yeah, I yeah. would probably want to top myself, to be honest. Yeah. In that length of time in prison. Yeah. Throwing your, I mean, Patworth was about 33, wasn't he? He was nearly 70, Patworth. Still very young. And then. Yeah. 68, Patworth will be, yeah. would get, say, 34 years he got. Over summer, so trivial yeah. at the end. And the thing yeah. with Papworth, he might have got away with it. He drove over what was possibly a corpse because the, the other guy had done the work by proxy. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Pro- hate by proxy. He had nothing to do with what it, you know, what was that all about? What was that venison doing? Yeah. Fucking, what I would suggest is there's something seriously wrong there. And he probably would have gone on to do more things like that. Yeah. And the only reason he was shaking like a leaf and all of those because he not he knew he wasn't going to get away with it. There's a twisted twisted thing there going on. It really bothers me about British society, to be honest. I watched that and I, re- I really... It just shows you, doesn't it? I mean, you can come across these people anywhere. You can. You can. You, you feel falsely safer, like kind of living in North Wales because it is so, you know, population's less and less traffic and... And invariably, you know, Welsh people are very kind of polite to almost like a, to an apologetic degree, as I've sort of joked at times. You know, there's always a potential danger. Mm. And also, there's a lot of people with mental health issues that come and get looked after in Wales, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, we live in near a, a town where there's a lot of care in the community. And if they stop taking the medication or whatever, for whatever reason... There've been incidents, of course they have, you know, there've been incidents here. But you don't think of it here like you do in sort of like Greater Manchester or yeah. London, Birmingham. Less so Manchester these days. You don't hear a lot of Manchester, but you hear... Oh, if you go on the uh, crime sure. section in Manchester Evening News, it is absolutely full of scum. I'm, I'm sure it is. Vile things. I'm sure it is. I can read a couple of out here. It's the headlines. They always have these quite lurid slightly amusing headlines like selfish bullies smeared ketchup and oil over X's walls in vengeful attack oh my god <laughs> fucking hell jeez oh it's just the ketchup bit <laughs> <What's> that? <laughs> ketchup. is that the crime 
<laughs> smearing ketchup and oil. Uh, blackmailing landlords stole compromising pictures from woman's laptop and threatened to post them in her local pub. Oh, my God. What's that all about? <laughs> Fucking scumball. Anyway, think- back to the uh, programme. I just kept thinking about what they must be thinking. Oh, God, yeah. Um, you know, spending their lives in prison now, especially Benison. But What's I did think, shit? what would you have said if Patworth had got in front of this and said, look, I was mad, I was angry, I wanted to fight with him, and I sped away to get out of it, but I genuinely didn't see him on the road. Yeah, well, he might. There might have been the benefit of the doubt with that. But, of course, the very fact that that never crossed his mind to say that and that he just looked so haunted. He did, actually, yeah. Do you think he knew knew he was fucked? Oh, yeah. Really? I think they both did. Well, I mean, the thing is, Benison certainly did, didn't he? He Yeah. The note for his grandma and granddad, the way he behaved. The one thing as well I thought, though, that made me really cross is when the when the, the SWAT team, for want of a better term, whatever the, the British version is of the SWAT team, were outside Benison's flat when they eventually found him in some fucking B&B type place or whatever it was. They went, right, Anthony, come on out now. We've got you. Come out. And they were quite polite, really, how they were spoke to him. But we armed police here, Anthony. Come on, don't do it. We've got the dog here. We'll let, it was. It's always the way, isn't it? It's always a dog that worries people. They're armed police, but they don't want to get mauled by the dog. You know, yeah. I'd be thinking, well, I'll take my chances with the dog. I'm no, good oh no. Dog bites but, are painful, Dave. Oh, I'm sure. I don't doubt that. But Especially I just, on the leg. I kind of always think that I can be a bit of a dog whisperer, a bit like uh, uh, Donald Sutherland in that film, and <laughs> makes the dog sit down. Is that the eye of the needle? I think it's the eye of the needle where he has. I love Eye of the Needle. It's a great little film, isn't it? I love that film. He's, I've read the he's book a right well. bastard in that. Donald Sutherland's yeah. a right bastard in that. Yeah. Um, but he comes out, it. and when he comes out of the uh, out of the room, he's still keep your hands up, Anthony. He's and he's smoking, smoking still, his his And I was like, shoot the fucker! <laughs> put that fag put down. His fag out, does he? Put the fag down. You're not in school now. You're not in assembly or something. Put the fag on the floor, you cunt. Blow his brains out. I was really feeling that angry towards him. Yeah. Because we didn't know a lot about him at that point. No. You know, I just thought he's a malicious, psychopathic bastard. And I still think he's a malicious, psychopathic bastard. But there's more going on there. Mm. There is more going on. There's something very odd about well, You know, him. what I found interesting is that I'm not arguing particularly with the sentences. You know, they were really heavy sentences, especially the fact that they got no parole. But... When you think about premeditated murder, you know, that somebody has planned a murder mm. and they've had loads of time, obviously, to back out if they wanted, they often get a much lower it's sentence, happened. don't well, it's they? Hap- it's happened already because, yeah, it, this is the irony, is like t- yesterday, that brutal cunt, is the only way I can describe him, who murdered those three people in Nottingham, right, they got him through on manslaughter for diminished responsibility. When it was quite obvious, he planned everything out. He planned that he was going to kill somebody. He told his brother, "Leave the country. Things are going to get messy." Oh right, I didn't know. It, oh not, yeah, oh yeah. It was premeditated. He was good. I, I love the fact that when he went to the homeless shelter because he wanted to go in there and cause havoc. 
right? Mm. The guy opened the window and punched him in the face. He just thought, here comes trouble. And I thought, that's good. At least someone gave him a bloody a bloody nose. Yeah. I just think, I'm with the family there. De- they want him. They well, want- that, that was obviously a particularly horrific thing there i mean i think the thing is that you can be mentally ill but you can make plans when you're mentally ill yeah still do things it's very difficult isn't it the whole thing is difficult but watching that last night i was thinking where's albert pierpoint and i am not so i'm a fucking bleeding art liberal really when it comes to the death penalty i don't believe in it you know and yet i was thinking where's albert pierpoint hanging yeah hanging he's a he's a ton of he's a big weight big weighty lard arse He'll be gone in a. He'll, he'll snap his neck in a second. The point on I was the, on the gallows. The point I'm making really is that these murders were what you would call heat of the moment. You know, a few mad minutes. Yeah, sure. And you know they were in a, like a a high level of stress, sure. you could say, and uh, adrenaline. And obviously the end result is horrific. Sure. And it's not that those sentences are too too high but premeditated murder to me is worse in many ways because it is oh i agree completely lee i i I totally agree with that that's why i'm saying that's why i'm saying in a way what that fella did even though he's got schizophrenia and he is have some diminished responsibility is a worse crime than Mm. what the what these two did it is a worse crime. i think suckliffe only initially got 30 years didn't he yeah just fucking ridiculous. Crazy. Again, because he was playing the old diminished responsibility card, wasn't he? Well, he didn't he, get away with that. He didn't. That's no, what didn't. the trial was about. Well, I think they've upped the ante on, on <laughs> some of these um, some of these jail times, haven't they? Yeah. I, I think a lot of it is to send a message, isn't it? You know, knife crime and, and violent crime. And the problem crime. is, it isn't going to work if people are going to get the moment, so heated up. That. And they've got to do something. They've got to, if, if it is going to work, they're going to have to find a way to do it with the kids. Because I heard something on the news today that really, on the radio, uh, I was listening to LBC, this woman rat rang in to say about, because it was, a, again, it was a debate about knife crime. And she said that her son had been attacked by a bunch of hooded school kids who chased him across a field. He was terrified. Wait to hear this, Lee. You'll be, blow your mind, right? He was terrified. They all surrounded him and started kicking the hell out of him. They filmed all of it, by the way. They filmed it all on the phones. And she said, all of a sudden, they sort of gave way for this little kid, a younger kid, to come in. Who then proceeded to stab him in the head. Oh, my God. Right? He managed to get out of this field. He was covered in blood. This fella saw him. He took him to hospital. The mother came along. She was mortified. Since then, the kid has tried to kill himself because he's been so traumatised by it. That is one of the worst things I've ever heard, Dave. Now, wait for this. Mate, it's going to get worse. She then followed on by saying, and I shit you not, that the powers that be decided that what was needed was that the boy in question was to because all the other kids had their hoods up they couldn't identify who it was but the younger child in question that delivered the blow with the knife was to issue an apology to the family to the boy and the family and to pay a 50 pound fine what this is what i heard on the radio today and the host of the show a guy called tom swarbridge was just more i, I, I can't believe what i'm hearing 
I can't believe this is true. Loads of people rang up about it. I think it's going to be it's going to be quite a campaign. And then someone else rang in to say about something that happened to their kid. So this is not this has obviously been there's obviously a lot of cases like this where because they're under the legal age of um, imprisonment, yeah. and if it's regarded as, you know, so what's probably happened here is that it's not been deemed anything close to being a lethal blow. Let's put it that way to the head. Mm. But he's obviously bled profusely. He's in hospital. He's yeah, but I bet, he, I bet he wasn't thinking, oh, I'll just injure him. No, not probably at all. Probably trying to do as much damage as he could. And not only that, I mean, it's just... I mean, how horrendously traumatising for the kid. Apparently, the mother said the kid was so overwhelmed, he was so terrified, he just froze and fell to the ground because he couldn't handle what was going on. This other person rang up, this is what I was going to say as well, this other person rang up to tell a similar story about their child who was attacked with a knife, who had autism. So this was an autistic kid who was being bullied and mistreated. Mm. And then stabbed. Well, this is a, it's another thing again, about a, phones, isn't it? Apology was an issue. Apology apparently was issued. What's going on? An apology, Jesus Christ! They're just laughing at the system, aren't they? It's just incredibly. But yeah, so just going back to Patworth, like I say before, one of the frustrating things is he didn't really know what he was really like. No. That's what I found quite frustrating, and uh, it was just difficult to read him. And, uh, well, I think he was. He wanted to. He wanted to pursue that, didn't he? he? Wanted to purvey that image. But like you said, that changed when he was speaking to his daughter. That was quite interesting. And uh, and also <laughs> when the bad cop got a reaction out of him. Yes. Because when they showed him the murders, the bad cop says, uh, "You didn't show any emotion then. You know, I've just yeah, shown yeah. you three murders, and you just sat there like you. It yeah. just meant nothing." And he got really defensive, didn't he? Yeah. It's like, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm thinking. It came across like he was determined not to show any weakness at that point, you know, any vulnerability whatsoever. That's right. And maybe that's a part of why these guys do what they do, that they're not encouraged to show their vulnerable side. And no. Back down. You yeah, know, backing because, down, losing face, that's like yeah. the worst thing you can possibly do. Well, I think, again, if 24 Hours of Police Custody was like a Netflix a Netflix series, we'd have a background history on these people. Mm. So there'd be, be like about three episodes about their backgrounds. Because like Benison, for example, was brought by his grandparents. Straight away, that says a lot. What were his parents about? Were they just druggies off the face? Were they mentally ill? Were they Were they criminals in and out of prison? Uh, I mean, they, you can see it in people, can't you? I mean, God love him. You know, he's a brilliant snooker player, but you can see with Ronnie O'Sullivan that he's all over the fucking shop because yeah. he's, he's been so traumatised by his life, his dad murdering someone and going to prison, and then his mum fucking going to prison when he's like 17 for tax evasion as well. And he's he's an odd guy. He's an odd guy, and he talks, he, you know, suffering from depression. These guys... Are suffering from all sorts of depressive situations that are a bit undiagnosed and mm. they're medicating themselves on booze and drugs, hard drugs and hard liquor. Yeah. It's a fucking dangerous cocktail, isn't it? I'm sure mm. you're fine with Papworth. He's a deeply depressed person, isn't he? He's deeply depressed. Mm. He even said it. Yeah, I suffer from depression. And what, what's your diagnosis? I've never had a diagnosis. But he's mm. a real fuck. He's kind of, um, 
nihilist, I think. I've I got a real nihilistic kind of a vibe off him. I suppose that brings begs the question, did you have any sympathy for him at all? You know, you don't want to admit that you had some sympathy for him, really, but I think I did in a way. Um, I think the, the difficult thing I have is that I kind of think to myself, yeah, if you've got a... Do- I mean, it might have... It, it might have. Do you know something, Lee? It might have tugged your... Um, I don't want to say tugged your heartstrings, but you might have um, felt some empathy for him because he's got a daughter. I know. And the idea of his daughter going, I've got a son. So all my empathy is lying on the fact that what if my son was in that pub when he was at yeah. 18 or 19? Yeah. And, and I feel and really what- sorry for his daughter, obviously. I mean, she's... Yeah. Lost a dad, whatever he's like. I know. mean, sole parent. Sounded like they had an okay relationship. Yeah, I went, I mean, and then the woman was very. The woman police officer. Oh, she, she got loads of stick on Twitter, you she? know. Yeah, what's she fucking being nice to that cunt for? Well, you know, he's just know? he's just slain someone, and it was a fair point. But I suppose the coppers <clears throat> like. They're not there to judge. They they, they get no. they're getting a lot of trouble if they judge people. You just do it for an easy easy shift, don't you? If yeah, you're polite and you try to be quite disarming. Though I think she did slightly cross the line a bit. She probably did. On she that. Probably did. Especially when she said, if it was up to me, I'd give you bail. It was like, what? Yeah, that's a bit ridiculous. I think, I think she only meant so that you could spend a bit of time with your daughter. Yeah, maybe. But, but yeah, it didn't come across well, her saying that. No. But the other flip side of it is that what she does and what a lot of the officers do, which is quite impressive i think these days is that they show a bit of empathy and they're quite calm and there's none of this because these are dangerous potentially very dangerous people and the last thing they want is them kicking off in the police station throwing punches around or losing the rag and getting aggressive so they played it all great because they know they've got them they know they've got i know there's no need to there's no need this is it and in a way, patronising me. Oh, it's so sad, isn't it? What a shame. You've really been a bit of a silly lad there, haven't you? You're going to go down for fucking years. Watching it last night, I had very solid feelings about it. Like, do you know what? I wouldn't give a shit if they just dropped dead tomorrow. Mm. But as today's come around, I thought a little bit more on the fact that they've not had it probably had it that easy themselves they've had probably quite tough lives and that they're very very deluded their education is very very slim in a way they're not the crazy thing is they're not unintelligent people and the and the lad started going about the girl's nails for god's sake he was paying attention to what the the nails that the police officer had that benison benison did you see that it was incredible so I'm thinking, God, he's got like this kind of feminine um, feminine sensibility here. What's yeah, going yeah. on? It's just odd. And mm. that disturbs me because it doesn't fit a stereotype. It doesn't really fit a stereotype. And I think that's what's probably really freaked people out. It's not a bunch of hardened drug dealers. It's not a bunch of... I mean, even if they are drug dealers, they're not really... You know no, I mean? well, this is it. You do, you do see on that show loads of really, really cocky bastards. If yes. you really want to take down, and you, you want them to get massive sentences. Sure. I don't know if I felt the same watching this one because, no. you know, I know it was horrific and everything. It was just that, like you say, they, they didn't fit the stereotype in a way, although they did wear 
bloody sportswear. They both had loyalty oh, cards at JD fucking... Sports, didn't they? Yeah, JD I mean, Sports. that's always a that's a bit of a red flag now. <laughs> Whenever you watch 24 Hours in Police Custody, the sportswear is ubiquitous. And they all want to be seen in like a second-hand fucking BMW or Mercedes or, yeah. in his case, Volkswagen Golf. Zoop Yeah, well, interesting, oh, fascinating and shocking case. And uh, it was quite affecting. It's affected me. It's bothered me a bit, really. Mm. It was a great suggestion of yours because we're talking about something that's a little bit left field from other things that we've spoken about, you know, because it's not it's not something you can just put your finger on at all. This. It really isn't. It's just so odd. It would be interesting to know more about the background of all of it. That was yeah, the problem. Yeah. We were led to believe they were a little bit kind of mainstream from the point of view of like they, they played f- for local football teams and they had jobs and things like that. But mm. were they actually, because the Benison thing suggested he was dealing drugs, were they drug dealers? What other? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was, but I'd probably think Pat was that fairly respectable job you know maybe yeah. a tradesman or something like that that's the thing and the other lad did his mates had a job for, for sure and the suggestion with patrick howard was that they were just sort of likely lads in the area you know and the finale and uh mm. and mason it, it's just weird the whole thing's weird when the more you hear about this kind of stuff and these random acts of violence and that, that's what it is isn't it random acts of violence They've always been there. Random acts of violence have always been there. But when it's fueled on by this desire to be totally ruthless and take people out of the gene pool, it's kind mm. of like a bit worrying, really. Yeah. I think we should bring it to an end, Dave, if that's yeah. all right. I think we could probably do another one, another case, Dave. Let's do it. It's a fascinating uh, yeah. programme. So, listeners, uh, let us know what you think of the case. And if you've got any particular cases that you've seen on there, then let us know. We might cover them. Any final thoughts, Dave? I just think, uh, you know, broken Britain, baby. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think we need to really be reassessing this whole situation, don't we? And I do, I do think youth clubs will be an amazing start. A lot yeah. of brilliant things have come out of youth clubs and i just think when i heard that statistic today i thought wow it's very very weird today because in between jobs i've been listening to a lot of stuff to do with knife crime to do with youth culture do with youth problems there's been an awful lot of it on the news and that struck me as being probably quite significant to uh that program because even though all these guys are in the 20s or in the 30s even uh they've gone wrong somewhere it's all gone very fucking wrong and yeah. there's a disaffected there's a disaffected nature in britain isn't there and yeah. an anger well yeah and that's like you said that's what 13 years of tory rule can do you know it's got to change it's got to go on it we've got we've got to we've got to let someone else have a go and try and make things better because they are not doing anybody any good apart from their mates and exactly. people really need to fucking open their eyes to that. Yeah. You know? They don't look beyond their nose or Westminster Bridge. They don't no. know what's going on in Carlisle or fucking Luton or bloody uh, Withinshore. Or, there's no idea. They haven't yeah. got fuck. I mean, I mean, on all sides of it, they haven't. 
Definitely that was very have. depressing. Very depressing. Oh, God, it's so <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, recommendation. I talked about Albert Pierpoint. Listeners, if you get a chance, see the film about Pierpoint starring um, Alvida Zainpet. Uh, Timothy Spall. Thank you. Timothy Spall, who's brilliant in it. And it is. Have you seen it, Lee? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did you think? Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's a good film, isn't it? And it, it shows, in a weird way, his humanity. Because he was uh, very keen on trying to make it quicker and less. Well, I don't know if that was good, right? Because I found what he used to do, he would just try and get it over with so quickly, wouldn't he? And he would rush in, take them by surprise, turn yeah. them around, stick the hood on, get them through into the next room. And that was it. Now, to me, that is quite a traumatic way to end your last moment yeah but surely i don't know i think it'd be a lot better than like okay we're gonna have a ceremony now what's your favorite song <laughs> you know, well, that you're gonna die i kind of think it'd be better like do 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 like you're dead <laughs> yeah maybe i, I maybe. thought that was kind of cool but um that's an amazing scene in it because when he meets spoiler alert spoiler alert you haven't seen the film but when uh he ends up hanging eddie marson's character in it who it was a mate of his in the pub. <laughs> so oh, I, yeah. And I think things like that are amazing, you know. And one that's the thing that's kind of not necessarily reassuring, but there's been kind of like brutality and nasty scraps and murder and bludgeoning and testosterone flying around for years. And, you know, the, the Keynesian days, the Edwardian days, the Victorian days, full of like horrible times and everything. And in a way, today, we have at least got this ability to see it firsthand. And maybe by seeing some of these things firsthand, by seeing that programme firsthand and the brutality, it might start us to... Yeah, well, one, one final thought, And really. do something good about it. Somebody made a good point saying they should show that in every school. Yes. You know, the warning to kids. Yes, you know, these stupid arguments, these stupid fights can end in just ruined lives for everybody. Yeah, I completely agree with that because the reality is this. There might be one kid in that assembly who thinks it's really kind of exciting. And that's what everyone would, argue. you know, the, 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 the right wingers or the the anti-woke brigade would say, oh, you're, you're going to encourage these video game obsessed kids into watching that and thinking it's a great thing to do you know it'd have the opposite effect i mean at the end of the day they kill somebody and they've got 30 odd years in prison that's what absolutely yeah that's the point you would make to the kids of course but i think what i'm saying is is that you're always going to get sort of like someone like julia hartley brew i fucking hate her and all that kind of talk tv lot going on about oh it'll encourage some of these mini psychopaths in doing something terrible yeah. but the, the reality is what it will do is make the majority of people go oh my god i never want to do something like that yeah. i never want to carry a knife and you know what without being too draconian here i do agree someone's caught with a knife if caught, someone is caught with a knife in their pocket, you know, not some old bugger who's got a bloody B&Q or something and bought some knives for his kitchen, but, you know, somebody knocking about the street, looking a bit dodgy, got a knife in their pocket, they get a police... I thought they used to get a mandatory five years. Is that, well, that that's get, what I thought. Did that that's get stopped? 
That's what I thought. Mm. Seems like it doesn't take place. Maybe it doesn't apply to kids. And this is the thing. This thing I was saying to you, Lee, about these kids. These kids getting, oh, write a letter of apology. I mean, I I couldn't believe this. A £50 fine. Come on, world. Come on, politicians. What's going on? Right. Brilliant chat, Dave. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, listeners. Thanks for listening. And uh, as I say, let us know what you think of the show and our show, if you don't mind. Uh, We always like to get reviews and comments. Yeah, give us a a five-star review, you sods. Come on. (laughs) Give us a five-star review. I'll come around there and stab you. So we're playing now good podcaster, bad podcaster, aren't we, Dave? Uh, Yeah, we are indeed. Exactly. Right, until next time, goodbye. And good luck. Yeah, be safe out there.